Welcome to Upvoted by Reddit. I'm your host, Alexis Ohanian. David Reynolds and Shaz Abdullah are two filmmakers with indie film company Realm Pictures. They work and live in a Victorian church in Tynmouth, England. Last month, they released a video called Real Life First Person Shooter, which promptly hit number one on our default front page. And as of this recording, it has almost 8 million views. Now, if you haven't seen it, you should probably just hit pause and go watch it now. But if you're listening to this in a car or while you're riding around in your Segway, I'll try my best to do it justice. Imagine you're on your computer and you sign on to video chat with someone on chat roulette. But instead of seeing a random stranger sitting in front of a webcam, you're instantly transported into an alternate reality that looks just like a video game. And the main character is a real person with a GoPro strapped to his head so you can see through his perspective. Then you hear this voice. Okay. Batman, I need your help. What should I do? Come on, just type start. So you type start and the game begins. You're in control now and you have to help this guy defeat a bunch of zombies and eventually a final boss to clear the level. And if you tell him to shoot, he shoots. If you don't, well, he gets eaten. That's exactly what about 50 random people on the internet got to experience when Dave, Shaz and their team created this world in their backyard. With Nerf rockets, friends and family members made up to look like zombies, and even a demon boss at the end. If it sounds complicated, it is. And these guys made it happen over a weekend, on a tiny budget, in between working on other projects. I had a lot of fun chatting with these guys. In fact, the reason we did this story was because we had already written an article. I see we had interviewed them. You can find that article on r slash upvoted. And you all enjoyed it so much. We had so many people in the comments upvoting the request to do a podcast that we thought, all right, let's reach out to David and Shaz and see if they'll talk to me for the podcast. And here we are. So thank you uh, for making this content happen. Uh, You'll find a few interesting stories in here. This was a really, really great conversation. Uh, And I found out that first person shooter is really just a small part of the creative things that this team has done together. So without further ado, let's get to it. David Reynolds and Shaz Abdullah. This gilded early edition of the Upvoted podcast is brought to you by you. So instead of ads, we're going to say some thank yous to people who have bought Reddit Gold or gifted Reddit Gold in the last couple of months because you're awesome and you make this content possible. House Cat Speaks. Oh, I wish my house cat could speak. Thank you. B-Tech United. I would hate to see a B-Tech divided. Jmeeker86. Thank you, Jmeeker. Miyamoto FN. Thank you. The T-H-A underscore M-I-S. The Miss. I don't know. Skyara Snow. Oh, that's kind of nice. Skyara Snow, thank you. And thanks to all of you, uh, because your Reddit Gold makes this possible. Really, the least we could do is give you a thank you instead of some ads with your early edition of the Upvoted by Reddit podcast. Thanks. Okay, so hi, I'm I'm Dave, Dave Reynolds, um, or David M. Reynolds on Reddit, and I am the director of the Real Life First Person Shooter. And I'm Shaz, I'm Dartmoor Ninja on Reddit, and I'm the production designer for Realm Pictures and was responsible for the props and the graphic stuff on the first person shoots video. 
Yeah, how are y'all doing? David, yeah. Charles, I'm Alexis. Yeah, pretty good. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, and we are in, as you can probably see behind me, the, uh, this is where we shot the first-person shooter. It's actually our kind of studio. So Very nice. It's kind of this crazy all the time. <laughs> Did you, when, you were, when you were picking this studio, was there a part of you that deep down knew it would one day come in such handy? for? Uh, I think so. That's pretty much the first it. time we saw it, because we yeah. actually live here as well. So the moment we saw it, it's just like, yeah, this is going to be your prime location for everything we do. <laughs> do, you, do you live in the building or you live literally in the studio? Yeah, um, the, yeah it's all one big building. So it's this oh, converted yeah. church um, and yeah. uh, kind of the upstairs is the studio. We converted the, the altar into a big cinema um, and we all live underneath it. Um, yeah, that's legit. It's cool. fun. It's yeah. nice, nice creative space. But you do have to, when you mow the lawn, you have to go around all the gravestones, which is a little bit weird. But. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of weird explaining, yeah, we've got a garden, but we've got a hundred nuns buried there as well. So, <laughs> so the graveyard you saw in the video, yeah, that's, that's literally, that's right our backyard. There. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good for inspiration. Yeah. And probably good for bringing, uh, bringing dates back. <laughs> it's interesting to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it's a good, uh, it, it, that, at that point, if they, if they cross over that threshold, then, you know, it's probably, the night's probably going to go okay. It was, um, I, without getting too close, I did bring a date back once. Just like, mm. but we're in a church. Is, is that okay? It's like, <laughs> it, it's fine. It adds a certain vibe to it. It, it does. Yeah. It, it could really help person. or really hurt. It depends. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but this is, this may be a little corny, but I wanted to frame this whole thing, get this whole thing started with each of your first Reddit posts. Um, oh, you, God. Oh, so, yeah. so David, yours was a comment about Game of Thumbs, which was oh, a project that you all yeah. had worked on. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, there's no way I'm going to remember what and, I first Oh, we've, we've done our homework. And, okay. and you, uh, <clears throat> you all dressed up your thumbs as Game of Thrones characters? Yeah, yep. we did that. We have this, this terrible thing where we, we kind of, every now and then, we, we, people are always telling us that we, you know, we always work, we never take time off, and you know, we're obsessed with what we do, and it's not healthy. So every now and then we'll kind of we'll get to the end of a little project and we'll be like, you know what? Let's take two days off. Let's yeah. just let's just relax. Let's just play some rock band or something. Let's just let's just do normal normal person things. Um, and inevitably, within about four or five hours, it's turned into something ridiculous. Um, and this was one such day where we found ourselves taking time out from making films to make little mini costumes. Um, well, it started off as just a like, joke, didn't it? It started off as a joke, and then we took it really seriously. We went to toy stores to buy little props. <laughs> I went back to my prop table and actually made little swords and shields. I painted, I dry brushed, and it started just because we said the guy that, that plays Varys looks like a thumb wearing a bathrobe. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And then from there, it just got totally out of hand. We were using like a big projector screen to create the backdrops, so that we were kind of doing it all in camera and taking the pictures on like an iPhone, but. My thumb made a brilliant Carl Drago. Yeah, yeah, we, we took advantage mm. of Shaz's dark and huge. <laughs> well, my, my, dark and hue, my, my color of um, aggressive nutmeg. And we, <laughs> we had uh, little M&Ms as Daenerys' dragon egg. I it's saw those dragon eggs and I was going to ask you, that, that those are peanut M&Ms? And peanut yeah. M&Ms, yep. yep. Wow, yep. well done. Yeah, we, we should do another one of those for like season six. Or something, oh, we should do, we'll, we'll reprise yeah. that again. There, there are so many more characters now, so. <laughs> and you... you that's and that was just like, hey, I've got a couple free days. This is what we're gonna do to just unwind. Yeah, yeah. Was, I think day one was fairly normal, and then by day two, we were kind of climbing up the walls, being like, have to do creative project. Like, yeah, we're bad at relaxing. 
in that sort of mm-hmm. sense. Like, <laughs> hence the video that you just saw. Yeah. So the the first person shooter was was a kind of a direct. Mm-hmm. You know, we we were just getting frustrated with not getting a feature film made, yeah. and we were like, we we've got to go and do something. Um, so yeah. Well, now Shaz, your first post. Let me see. Was a, it was a music video uh, for the Quail song Fever. Ah, okay. I didn't realize that was my first uh, yeah. Oh. yeah, and there was a uh, a really really spectacular cardboard box in it. Yes, I made twenty five of those. Um, so I made twenty five cardboard box monsters. Um, we had so the band the Quails themselves are really good. Well, they split up now, but they were really good friends of ours, and um, they'd wanted to work on us with a music video for ages. And um, I think we were mulling around ideas for a while, and then I can't even remember where it came from, but it's like. It was somebody we knew had a dream that they were being chased by a monster made of cardboard boxes. And we hmm. kind of went, that'd be pretty interesting. And we kind of ran with it, really. And as yeah. most good ideas do. It got a little bit out of hand again. But it was a great fun shoot. Really great fun shoot. It was the, the battle royale at the end where they're kind of like, the, they're fighting the box monsters and they're spraying packing chips instead of blood. Um, it's a good fun shoot. Good yeah, fun that shoot. was a lot of fun to do. <laughs> that was one of our more laid back, relaxed, let's just have fun with this one kind of shoots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm definitely sensing a trend with you all. <laughs> well, that things tend to get out of hand. Uh, yeah. yeah. And and there's this like there's a kind of um almost uh childlike's not not quite the right word, but um I feel like these 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 are the sorts of things I can imagine a couple of kids doing on a very, very basic level. Um, sort of just imagining like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, but you're actually doing it and making really impressive productions out of it and like sharing it with the internet. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I feel like there are a lot of people who probably go through their nine to five jobs and and never get to, even when they're taking time off, right? They're sitting in front of the TV, they're not making stuff um, and they're not getting to stimulate those those muscles. Yeah, I think part of that is that we all live together as well. So we all, we kind of haven't, grown up in the traditional sense you know it's kind of a little bit like neverland here where we all just we're just a, a, a bunch of, of yeah nerds that kind i of, think like since dave and i knew each other we kind of just like doing this and we just decided let's turn this into the career for the rest of our lives i mean like i quit a law degree at 19 to do this and <laughs> yeah. i've never regretted it so <laughs> yeah, we do tend to, to encourage each other and maybe that's not healthy but it's certainly good fun yeah <laughs> and, and you all have known each other for a minute what were what were you all like growing up Ooh. Don't give the honest answer. <laughs> to be honest, I think none of us have really changed that much. Like, mm. I think we had the broad ideas when we were about 16, and now we're just kind of living them out. We so. had a lot more hair. We had a lot more hair. Both we, of we both had, had, had hair. hair like we had really hair. long hair. Yeah. That, that was the, the main change. <laughs> less beard hair. But less, less, yes, right. less, So it, yeah, just, it migrated. migrated. Yeah, yeah it just kind of went. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, God, I, I met Shaz in what we have over here at sixth form, it's basically like the last two years of high school. Mm. Um, yeah, so we met each other when we were 16. So yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we both just shared a fascination for behind the scenes, making of sort of, of movies we loved of, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. um, and kind of grew up on all of that stuff. And um, down here again in the, in the Southwest of the UK, it's, it's quite a cool sort of, resourceful can do attitude and we've got lots yeah. of stomping grounds haven't we with dartmoor and the ocean and stuff it's like quite that. laid back it's very open we've got some beautiful scenery around us which we've always found like really inspirational so it just kind of spurred us on to do it really and we used to um make 
make movies. In fact, this was just before you started at the, at the high school we were at, but there used to be this awful digital camera um, that you could rent from the art department and it would take floppy disks um, and you'd slide a floppy disk in and you could record really, really low res video for 15 seconds before the disk filled up. So it was like oh. one and a half meg or whatever. Yeah. Um, and cool. so we used to shoot these little like 15 second fight scenes. Um, and then when our kind of like the, the scale of these productions increased, we were like, screw it. Hang on. We could like, if we just all freeze at the end of the 15 seconds and somebody comes running in with a new floppy disk, we can swap them out and then make like multiple tapes. And <laughs> stitch them together. We ended up with like 45 second long, all that spoof fight scenes that all ended up in sepia for some reason. Yeah, um, I remember seeing those years later. School Wars, as school Wars. Wars. Yeah. yeah, they were awful. Tragic. You were you were ahead of Vine and Instagram with the. Uh, well, this is the thing. Vine before there was Vine. We yeah. just need to stop for twelve years and let everything mm. catch up, and then we'll be cool again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> were were you, you all were gamers then? I presume when you weren't making film or. Yeah, kind of. You were certainly more into it than I. Yeah, was. I've always been like quite a big gamer, and like it's. Um, I'm a huge nerd for video games and stuff. and um, I kind of grew up on Doom and Prince of Persia, X-Wing, um, all of that kind of stuff when I was when I was younger. Um, but then I didn't really game through, like I didn't have a console growing up. Mm-hmm. So, and the PC gaming world was sort of lagging behind some of the, you know, it's like everybody else was out playing Metal Gear and Final Fantasy VII and stuff like that. And I was like, well, I have a PC. Um, <laughs> so... So I just, I mean, I was off making movies. Um, but recently I've got much more into it. Yeah, we sort of got, got into it again. And I was always like huge into like the Zelda and the Final Fantasies and the RPG type things. And mm-hmm. that's what I kind of grew up on. Well, and so, and what, what got you into indie film? Was it just because they had this camera that you could rent or you just love those Star Wars behind the scenes docs or what was it? Well, it was, I've always, since a very young age, I've loved making stuff as in just like, I used to like make my own spaceships out of cardboard. I used to draw all the time. And I think then like after meeting these guys back at school and they were making films and I, I always was a big film nerd as well. I loved films. And I think the thing that really spurred me on were the appendices for Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And I used I think I've watched those way more than I've watched the movies themselves. And it was kind of watching Wetter and what Richard Taylor and stuff were doing. And, well, I remember the, the time the light switch really went off was when I was eight years old and I really got into Star Wars. And at that time, this was just before the re-release happened. And I really wanted to watch Star Wars on DHS, but it was at the time where it was really hard to track down. So my dad came home with a, a VHS tape that was Empire Strikes Back special effects. And I remember watching it and watching these model makers at ILM, like making X-Wings and like blowing up TIE fighters. And it kind of went, wait, wait, this is their job. They, they, <laughs> they, they do this as, an, as a grown up. I, I want to do this. And I, it was, you know, the concept that people actually do this for a living as an adult. Cause you know, for me, an adult was going to an office for nine to five as my parents did. And it completely blew my mind. And I think that just kind of kickstarted. It's always been in the back of my head since that being that eight-year-old kid and kind of glad that that's what I'm doing now, really. Yeah, totally, totally. I, for me, in high school, um, one of my best friends wrote a movie, um, which was just, you know, it's completely left field. I was like, you're doing what? You're, like, we're not allowed to do that. We're like 16. You, you can't make a movie. Um, and it was kind of, you know, handy cam in the local woods and he cast me in it, um, which was a terrible mistake because my spots would change position between scenes and like my hair would be a different color every week and all this kind of, it was awful. Um, 
but kind of from that point got bitten by the, the filmmaking bug and decided, I was like, oh, actually, we can do this. This is an amazing sort of collaborative group experience. Um, I want to go. So decided to put into production an hour-long medieval romantic tragedy um, with knights and castles and horses and sword fights in the rain and all this kind of stuff, all the stuff that kind of like really switched me on at that age. By 17, had got together with that friend that, that has been basically my best mate since we were 11 um, and borrowed a whole bunch of money from the bank and set off to make our movie. And, you got a uh, loan for that? Yeah, we, we had to get a um, basically an adult to uh, to kind of sign off on it as a guarantor. But yeah, we borrowed four grand UK, which is like, what, six, six grand US, um, and went off and built this medieval village in a field, like all this kind of stuff. Um, and then just as we were leaving high school, like released the movie, did big local screenings, sold DVDs to people in the local community and paid all the money back um, eventually. Um, and then I kind of just went off to film school um, with kind of starry eyes thinking, this is it. I'm going to be a filmmaker, um, which lasted about six months before I then quit film school. Um, and the rest is history. <laughs> wow. And, and so you, David, you went to film school then you decided to drop out. Why? Um, well, to be honest, when I, when I got there, I was the only person that had actually made a film at that point. Mm. And I think I, I was expecting a lot more of it. I was expecting to be challenged a lot more. Um, there were a lot of the a lot of the people there that were in charge of kind of like guiding our careers and our experiences that hadn't had those experiences themselves. So it all kind of seemed a bit kind of wishy washy and, and guesswork. Um, and I think the kind of the best thing I got from film school, um, I met a girl and mm. put her on the back of my motorbike, and we both quit together and rode off into the sunset. And she's shot every one of my movies since, edited every one of my movies since, and is now my wife. So well, I that guess worked, it worked out, out very well, well for you. It did yeah. work out well in the end, yeah. Wow, and and Shaz, so you you hinted at your educational background. Uh, yeah, you're not not a lawyer anymore. I am not a lawyer anymore. No, and thank God I'm not. But um, I came from quite a very academic background, and I was expected to follow into academia. And um, so I kind of just to appease my parents, I went on to do law. So I was at law school for two years. In fact, it's about halfway through my second year, and I just. At the same time, I remembered like kind of being on the phone to Dave all the time, like we we're talking about new film projects and ideas and kind of knew this is what I want to do. But I thought I might as well just go through the degree, finish it, do that and enjoy it. But it got to the point where I just couldn't take it anymore. It's like, no, I've kind of made the decision. This is what I want to do. And I don't want to wait a minute longer. So I quit. I, I decided I was going to quit university. And I've never regretted that decision since, really. You know, um, the end of the day now i spend my days painting nerf guns to look like sci-fi guns and i could be much like we did when we were 15 um <laughs> instead of <laughs> you know being a solicitor or a barrister so i don't know what those words mean <laughs> that's why that's why we had a revolution so we wouldn't have to learn what a solicitor and a barrister are well at the core of it what i would love to know too is what your parents think about all this <laughs> oh, now that that's an interesting one. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I think I mean my parents are both teachers, and they've both been really, really cool, really supportive with it. Um, I think it was just kind of a vibe anyway. Like they didn't earn a huge amount of money, and they weren't really bothered if I did. Uh, they just wanted to see me go and do cool stuff. Like my dad taught, um, I don't know what you call it in the states, like design tech, like wood shop, metal shop, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was very kind of hands on. My mum was big into all that sort of stuff as well. So they they've just been pretty happy. 
my parents disowned me. <laughs> Wait, really? Um, yeah, well, we're all okay now, but when I told them that I'm going to be quitting university um, to go make films, they kicked me out. Um, wow. And said they, well, I guess, you know, I was 19 years old, and for a parent to go, right, I'm, I'm giving up my law degree and I'm going to go make films with my friends. Basically, they thought I was going to be throwing my life away and I'm going to be sleeping on a couch for the rest of my life and not really doing anything. But To be fair, though, mm-hmm. to be fair, that's so much water under the bridge. Yeah, I mean, like... His mum came round here yesterday and cooked, like, eight of us food yeah. because we'd been working so hard and she wanted to just give us a yeah. night off. So it's just, It's yeah. been a complete 180 since then. Like, this was, like, the first few months of it. They weren't very happy but now they're more than supportive and they're all our families are really and I think when you know like when we were kids it's very hard to take in like obviously they thought we're very naive about the way the world works and what we want to do but since then I think we've proven over and over again that this is what we're really passionate about and we're going to put our all into it and you've got to have a balance I mean yeah. you like in some ways you need that support structure like it's crucial to to you know feeling like you can take those risks in your life um, mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it's, it's equally important to have the people in your life that are telling you, no, you can't do it, no way, just so that you have somebody to, you know, put some fire under you. Yeah, kind of like mm-hmm. that. It was one of the things like, right, I'm going to prove them wrong about everything they've said and um, <laughs> in the nicest possible way. And it's great now. Like, I think all our families are super supportive of everything we do and would love to hear how things are going. And I remember we, like, had a, we had a media studies teacher um, in, in high school who was just, just useless, just, he's just an asshole. And <laughs> I remember, like, I actually, to the point that I, I didn't take media studies during our, our sick form, which is the, like, the um, RA levels, it's like the last two years of, of high school. I didn't take media, even though I had, like, it was my big passion, um, because I just, I couldn't stand it. But we, we had written this script for this, this medieval fantasy movie, and took it to him for advice because he was like the only guy in our, our kind of circle of of experience that had any idea about about film. So we kind of took it to, to took the script to him and said like, how can we how can we make this? Can you help us? You know, just kind of process how this should come together because we had no clue. Um, and he kind of took one look at it and he's like, don't be ridiculous, you can't do this. I'm like what? And he's like, well, like you've got a scene here where it's raining at night. Like how are you going to make that happen? Don't be silly. Um, and it, I was furious, like, especially having been brought up by two teachers who are like, you can, like, you've got to encourage people to, you know, fulfill their, especially at that age. Um, but it just, it lit a fire under us and we were like, fuck you, basically. Like, if we want to make it rain, we'll go and make it rain. So we, we went and got an industrial <laughs> water pump. We put it in the river. We sucked the water out of the river up into a load of hose pipes, like gaffer tape sprinklers into the trees. And, and we made it rain and it was horrible and cold and unpleasant, but it worked. Um... And that kind of set the scene, I think, for a lot of, you know, there's been people the whole time that have said, don't be stupid, you can't make a film underwater, don't be stupid, you can't, you know, <laughs> you can't. you've got to go and get a normal job at some point, but, you know, it's great. Have, have you since uh, updated that teacher with uh, no. your No, <laughs> I don't think, no, no, we... He's probably listening yeah. to this podcast. Maybe. No, I hope so. I don't think he knows how the internet <laughs> works, to be honest, but you never know. If he is out there somewhere, you know who you are. Um, but yeah, wow. it, it turns out we actually went to the same high school as um, mm. Roger Deakins, the DP that basically shot everything the Coen Brothers have, has ever done. Um, but we didn't find this out until we'd finished school. Like it just wasn't a thing. If you played f- cricket for the B team, 
in the next county along. That was a big deal. Yeah, there were very and academia if you went to Oxford. <laughs> but you've been nominated for nine Oscars? Doesn't no, count. No, <laughs> we just we never knew this until years after we left school. Like they just never talked about it. They were very our school was very much into <clears throat> academic and sports success, but anything else was just never mentioned, really. Not that we have an axe to grind or anything. No, no not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not not in the slightest. Well well hopefully then uh, there are people listening who probably feel the same way wherever they are uh, because yeah I mean certainly in the states you walk into any high school and you're going to see a lot more uh, trophies from uh, sports accomplishments than, yeah. uh, than art uh, what what do you think the internet has done to make this like viable for you Ooh, wow um, I think there's been a number of things kind of happening simultaneously I mean we we got started making movies like way before YouTube was even a thing. You couldn't go and just learn stuff online in the same way. So we had a camera for that that medieval movie. Um, there was just a wheel on the side of the camera that had exposure up or exposure down. And that was literally the limit of our knowledge. Like We would be like, oh, the scene needs to be brighter. And like there was another wheel next to it that had a picture of a light bulb and a picture of the sun. And if you twisted that, then the image would go like orange or blue. Uh, we had no idea what was going on, and, and we had no real way, you know, without access to, to that education formally, we didn't really know even how to find that stuff out. Um, but now, I mean, you've got the huge learning resource that is the oh internet. God, yeah. You've got the huge audience that is YouTube. Um, and it's just, and that with the price of the tech coming down, um, it's just democratized the whole process. Yeah. So that means there's a lot more stuff being made. There's a lot more crap being made, but it, it means that you don't have to have a huge amount of cash to go and make something great. Um, and that's, it's changed the game for everybody. Yeah, really. it's changed the game. So it's affordable for everybody. You've got all the knowledge and resources out there. Now it's just called down to you and go and do something cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you all still Google uh, questions to, to figure out how to do stuff? Um, yes. yes. Oh, not time. necessarily specific technical questions, um, mm-hmm. but certainly, um, yeah. I'm well. Actually, I'm. I'm not going to tell you what I've been googling recently because it will give away spoilers for level two. Um, mm. But yes, we, <laughs> we def- want level two spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's yeah. Watch this space. It's going to be. It's going to be really cool. We've- could you could you give us some really esoteric video thing that like six people will understand and then be like, aha, and then everyone else will just be like, I don't know what that means. Ooh, what what can we? Um, the. Mm. Mm. There's going to be a code at one point um, that the user will have to use, and the code is a reference to a pioneer in the area that we're exploring. Yeah, and we're not oh. we're not going to use this code, but the code was going to be 1492. So you know, if that triggers anything for anybody, they might be able to piece together the sort of direction we're going in. But um. But we do have some very, very exciting ideas. We basically went straight into planning level two. And, yeah, we've um, been given free reign to basically just throw all our ideas at it. And the, the one thing that we kind of feel, I think, about this video that we've just done is that it's just us messing around in the garden. And actually, as filmmakers, we, we usually aim for a much higher level of production um, in terms of the props, the costumes, the staging, the kind of like plotting everything out, like the whole the whole works. And And we didn't have the opportunity really to to do what we'd usually do with this because it was so quick and cheap and, and it was yeah, just all about just, the idea. It was kind of that, the idea and just the fun of it. And now due to offers and basically what we're going to be able to do with level two, we can like really go to town and 
combine our usual production values with the the same concept and and also mm -hmm. just like take it all if you'll excuse the pun to take it to the next level like there's there's way more interaction there's like way <laughs> i will more. not excuse that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's way more interaction with the viewer um and and yeah it's just gonna it's gonna make it's gonna make part one look like the the kind of beta the prototype yeah the, just a few people screwing around in the garden which is what it was really well, and you all have experience uh, filming zombies. Uh, yes. The whole film. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was that? What was that all about? I mean, David, you wrote, directed, and starred in it. Yeah. So yeah. What's, what's the story of the film? It sounds like you're very proud of it. So oh, I it's all it's tragic. It well, really to be honest, we are proud of it. It's yeah, right. proud of the achievement of having made it yeah. more than the actual final product. And as we have talked about in the rest of this, it's. Um, Taking a small idea and taking it a little bit too far. Yeah, that was a bad example of snowballing. Um, <laughs> yeah, because effectively the, the story to that movie was that we had like I'd quit film school, we'd all started living together, and we'd like on right, okay, here is the dream. This is Realm Pictures. This is what we're going to do. Um, and in the process of kind of finding our feet, I'd started doing a lot of research into visual effects because we had no visual effects experience whatsoever. Um, and I started. Wait, real quick. What's what's an example of visual effects? Um, so the specific example here is adding muzzle flashes to fake guns, um, but it's okay. you know anything from you know green screening and putting fake backgrounds into things to creating lightsabers to you know like you know giant robots in transformers. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of saw this as a 19-year-old. I was like, right, we can use visual effects to make our movies look bigger and more expensive than they really are. Um, mm -hmm. In kind of reaching out as another, I guess, example of using Google to solve questions. I was like, how do I do special effects, visual effects? Um, and came across a, a great community called Video Copilot, hmm. um, which is run by a guy called Andrew Kramer, um, who just puts up free tutorials for After Effects, Adobe After Effects. Hmm. Um, I remember the first one I was doing was, it was um, how to create a lightsaber effect. And we were all big Star Wars fans. Yeah. So we were all like kind of like waving swords around and then adding like hand, hand drawing the lightsabers in over the top. Um, and one of these tests was that we had a couple of friends that were into airsofting, so they would go off into the woods with highly realistic BB guns and go around shooting each other playing toy soldiers. Um, so we had access to all of these like really authentic-looking guns. Um, mm. So I thought, right, let's get all of these guns, let's get a bunch of our friends, let's go up to a field, and let's just I'm just going to film people firing these guns and like kind of faking the recoil and all this sort of stuff. Um, to see if I can add in the muzzle flashes and the shell, ejecting, uh, shell, shell ejections and the, and the smoke and stuff and see if I can make it look convincing. Um, and as we were shooting this, the sun started to set and it started to look quite moody and atmospheric. And so I got the same group of people that had been firing the guns and got them to go up to the other end of the field and kind of silhouette them against the sky and have them shambling towards the camera like zombies and then have them falling over. Um, and then when we got the footage home, we just kind of cut it together and made it look as if they were shooting themselves as zombies, all this sort of stuff. It was very silly stuff. But then went in and added all the muzzle flashes, and it looked quite convincing. We were very proud of it for what it was. Um, just, you know, I think it was like three minutes long or something, yeah. like two minutes long. And stuck it up on YouTube. I think that may have been one of the first things we ever put on YouTube. I think it actually may be the first, the first thing we put, thing we put on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, And then posted it to, to Andrew Kramer's website into the, the forum. And, and he himself then picked it up and, and kind of reposted it and was like, this is awesome. This is why I love, you know, indie effects. 
And and it got like 5,000 views overnight or something. And we were like, whoa, we have an audience. People are loving it. And, and everybody was commenting, being like, we want to see level two. You know, what happens next? Actually, there's a weird parallel. Yeah, there is a very weird parallel. <laughs> <laughs> we need to be careful about what we do next. Um, so they were like, what happens next? And we went, okay, cool. Here's an opportunity. We've got an audience. Let's let's take everything up and up a gear. Let's... let's Oh God, the parallels are terrifying. Yeah, I'm, I'm, this is history repeating How do we take completely. it to the next level? <laughs> yeah. Let's put in better effects, better production value. Let's use props and costumes. Let's have like a, a rocket launcher. Oh my God. Oh God, oh God. <laughs> this is, yeah. Um, oh, um, I'm glad I could, I'm glad yeah, I could surface all this for you guys. Yeah, this is like therapy for us. <laughs> it's like couples therapy. <laughs> um, very cathartic. This is good. Keep it coming. So we, and, we decided that we were just going to get a bunch of friends together and we were going to make part two of this zombie story. Um, it was originally going to be like five minutes long, maybe. And then it became 15 minutes really quickly. Like it was going to be like, it was going to be 15 minutes long, but 15 minutes is a good length. Like it'd be like a short film and take it to like a little horror festival or something. We'll just put, have loads of explosions. It'll be great. And we kind of cast all our friends in it. And I started writing this little 15 minute story. Um, with again like no awareness of script writing whatsoever I was like I was a hardcore indie filmmaker through and through where the script was like the last thing on your mind it was all like mm. what camera are you going to use and what effects are you going to use it was like the kids in Super 8 um, but embarrassingly twice their age and um, and that then just snowballed and got completely out of hand and we ended up borrowing 10 grand and spending two years with a huge army of volunteer zombies um, and just like shooting at weekends and and like rewriting the story. Like I, I think when you watch the finished movie, which is up on YouTube, uh, I apologize in advance. Um, the finished movie is like eighty percent reshoots from the original yeah. idea. So it's it's just this weird kind of nebulous story that doesn't really make any sense. It's me starring in it, and I just like frown and swear at zombies the whole time, and it's it's tragic. Um, but, but yeah, it was you know, it, what was meant to be a five minute film just became well, it was hugely ambitious and we don't regret making it just because we learned so much yeah. doing it and it was it was our kind of growing up film I think yeah. it was our version of Peter Jackson's bad taste um, mm. it was kind of the thing that kind of bonded us all it kind of sorted the wheat from the chaff and uh, we had a hell of a lot of fun yeah hell of a lot of fights making it and um, lots of emergency vehicles turned up it was but yeah it's a really good character building experience how how do i pronounce the title zombies zombies yeah so it's not zomblies it's not zomblies there's a lot of people online that think that yeah. it's like there's lies and there are zombies so it's which zomblies. in fairness is a much better makes- explanation than what it actually was which was a friend accidentally mispronouncing zombie zombies once and saying zombies by accident we're like yeah. oh that's funny we Let's- were playing halo weren't we yeah and it, it like we were playing Halo where... If really? You, yeah, if you get killed by someone, that they then end up on your team. So effectively, you start off with like one zombie and then they gradually infect everybody in the multiplayer until there's just one guy left running away from all these zombie versions of Master Chief. Um, mm-hmm. Which isn't a mod or anything. It was just really happening in our own imagination. Yeah, I think it's actually like an official part of the game now, but this is way before there's like wow. Halo 2, like years ago. And we had this one friend who who just at one point got terrified and just yelled, Zombies! Ah! And and then the word zombies became part of our weird little clique of yeah, just you know, entered lexicon and we kind of ran with it really. And then when we made oh, the movie, we were like, let's call it zombies just for fun. We'll it, never call it that when we actually release yeah, it. Yeah, it was meant to be a working title, and then we just never kind of <laughs> got past that. <laughs> well, you know what? It it is what it is, and it makes yeah. it, it it's part of the charm. I mean, there there there's probably far too many things that are just generically called zombies. 
but Zomblies, I feel like you guys own, you must own the Google search results. For oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bravo. <laughs> and, and it's very clearly shot in Dartmoor. I, yeah. I could tell instantly that was Dartmoor when I saw it. I was like, yep, Dartmoor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> no, but so this is relevant because after you finish the film, uh, a bunch of Americans came to Dartmoor uh, to shoot a film. Oh, and no. and and I guess one of those Americans is a guy named Steven Spielberg. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And Where so y'all, gonna... saw, y'all yeah. saw a picture from the filming of War Horse. And we're like, oh, that's Dartmoor? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Where are you getting this story? <laughs> Did you know? I'm going to do our homework. So effectively, right, wait, yeah. So how, I mean. Because we, I mean, we, we, live like, we live like 20 minutes from Dartmoor. We'd spent two years shooting this zombie movie up there. So we, like, we know. Right, wait, wait, real quick. Give us some, what is, assume, assume we know nothing about Dartmoor. What, give, us, give us a little, the TLDR on Dartmoor. Okay, so TLDR of Dartmoor is it's a wasteland um but a very beautiful wasteland it's yeah. it's kind of the one of the only undeveloped parts of of the country um huh. it's it's a national park basically so it's like imagine cool. yellowstone but tiny and and without the same tourist vibe it's kind of like 20 mm-hmm. miles 20 miles across 20 miles high mm-hmm. um or high 20 miles in both what it, yeah. it's a 20 mile Diameter land, circle, yeah. effectively. Um, okay. But it's beautiful. You've got forests, and you've got rivers, and you've got reservoirs, and, and big open expanses as far as the eye that can see. That sounds lovely. It's um, where actually one of the main concept artists from The Lord of the Rings lives up there, a guy called Alan Lee, and a lot of his inspiration comes from up there. It's beautiful. Right on. Okay. So, so we you just... saw this photo, recognized Dartmoor, and we're like, hey, we need to go meet Steven Spielberg? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty exactly much. Exactly that. There was actually there was a book on the floor of our office at the time, um, and we were like, we, we saw this news article go up and somebody had just snapped a picture of Steven Spielberg and we were like, oh my God, we knew that War Horse was going to be shot somewhere near Devon. Um, and we saw this picture and we were like, oh my God, I know exactly where that is. Um, and we kind of checked it on Google Street View and we were like, yes, that is literally exactly where where we thought it was. What should we do? Like, yeah. is it is it... Should we sneak, like, is that... Should we sneak onto the set? Can, can we, we get- pass up this opportunity? And th- there was this book on the on the floor of our office called Conversations with Steven Spielberg, which was just a, a, basically a series of interviews with him. Um, and we picked it up and opened it at a random page, like some sort of you know superstitious nut, like it was going to give us the answers. Um, and the page we opened it up to, believe it or not, was the story of before he was Steven Spielberg, um, when he tried to break into Universal and basically went on a tour and just skipped off the tour at Universal Studios and just started going and talking to people and ended up like getting an office there and turning up every day in a suit with a briefcase. And and the story of how he had the, in his own words, chutzpah to go and just actually go where he wasn't supposed to go to, to make something happen. And we were like, this is a sign from the this cinema divine providence. <laughs> like, yes, this is absolutely what we you do. You have and to go. And you, yeah, you know. absolutely. So we, we all jumped in a car and we're already kind of dressed like a film crew. You know, it's like body warmers and all this kind of stuff anyway. So we rocked up and it was very obvious where they were because there was a big footprint of security guards, um, you know, kind of on all the roads and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and we asked one of the security guards, well, what's going on? And they're like, oh, it's a, it's a TV thing um, for the BBC. And, you know, obviously, obviously lying because there's a massive Ari truck. Um, so we went and hid the car behind a whole load of gorse bushes and, and snuck down a little valley across a river, up through a little forest and popped out in the middle of where they were filming. 
um, and met a young guy called Jeremy who turned out to be the lead. Yeah, and I think this was his first movie, so we didn't know who he was. It's like, oh, so you're in this. Who are you playing? He's like, I'm, I'm the lead. And I believe at that point you asked him if he was the horse. Was like, oh, you're the, you're the horse. Um, <laughs> and and we kind of hung around for a little while. And um, and at this point we were like, Steven Spielberg was obviously here yesterday or something. They're not shooting the main part of the movie yet. He's probably gone. This is probably, I don't know, second unit or something. We didn't dare to think that he was actually there. Um, but we, we kind of hung out on the, the periphery and... The, People were kind of like moving the public on as they were driving through. They were like, get out, no, nothing to see here. But because we kind of looked like film crew, nobody really told us to, to leave because they all assumed we were just a different department. Mm. Um, and so we kept like getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer. Um, and the weather was kind of chucking down at this point. So people were kind of waving us over being like, oh, you can come and you know, shelter at the side of this tent. Um, and, then, and then some guy came wandering over to us with his kind of like hood drawn down and his like thing zipped up um, to protect him from the rain. I was like, what are you guys doing here? Um, and we're like, oh, we're, we're a local film crew. Like we've just finished shooting a zombie movie up here. Um, we're just hoping that we might get a chance to see Steven Spielberg or the DP, Janusz Kaminski. Like we just really want to see you guys doing your thing. And he was like, oh, okay. Um, well, you know, if you're lucky, you might see Steven later on. And turns around to walk away and I'm like, hold on who are you? And he kind of pulls his hood back a bit and he's like, oh, I'm the DP. And it's like, oh my God. No, Janusz Kaminski. Janusz Kaminski. Like you shot Schindler's List and basically everything since. Um, just a legend, living legend. Um, so we're all, you know, kind of trying to keep it cool. Um, and he then wanders off and and later on, Spielberg comes walking out onto the set, oozing cool, kind of like biker jacket, baseball cap, the works. Um, and, and so we're just kind of watching this film set unfold. Um, and at some point, Spielberg then turns around, looks at us, and comes walking over to us. And we're kind like of like our first that. instinct is just kind of go, like he's obviously not walking to us. Who's like, he walking something... to? Are we in his way? <laughs> yeah. Um, and and apparently, um, Kaminsky had had a, a word with him, and he, and he goes, oh, "You're the directors." At which point, Eve, my wife, goes, "No, no, you're you're the director." Um, <laughs> and, you know, completely, completely misunderstood. <laughs> glaring at me now for having uh, having brought that one up. Aww. But um, so we chatted to him for a while. Um, he was lovely um, and said, you know, hang out on set all day. You kind of, you know, watch us, watch us do whatever you want. You know, like it's all good. And so I think I learned more in that day of of watching watching Spielberg, than yeah, all of film school. Like it was. It's just like I think the most inspiring thing actually was watching them do their thing. Yeah, in the same place that we do our thing. And although they had more people and they had more money, obviously more experience, there was nothing fundamentally Probably different. Probably better catering. Yeah, much uh, better much catering. Much better catering, yeah. <laughs> um, but there was nothing fundamentally different about what they were doing, which for a bunch of self-taught indie filmmakers was like the most inspiring thing. You know, it takes away, there's nothing scary, there's nothing, it's literally the same thing just on a larger scale. It's like we're on the right path and it kind of reaffirmed that what we're doing is right and let's stick to our guns, really. To the point yeah. that, like, it was such an inspiring day, actually, that I then grew a moustache mm. and signed up as an extra and did two weeks in the trenches on Warhorse um, just so I could watch more of him doing his thing, um, which was which was pretty good fun. Wow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the that's the Spielberg. Story. You got promoted Tom Hiddleston's officer because your moustache was so good. I got yeah. to do a scene with Tom Hiddleston. It was amazing. Or I got cut from the movie. You can actually see me in the finished cut of the oh. movie. Um, and we're chatting to Tom Hiddleston there in between takes and we're like didn't you just come off that new Thor film and he's like yeah 
you want to see a picture of me as an action <laughs> figure and he's like this is me in the loki costume don't tell anyone and now i'm telling uh, reddit <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool um, but no, oh, are you kidding if i i mean yes the day the day you get an action figure made out of you you are you would show everybody he yeah, was super, absolutely. Super anyone everyone everyone yeah. i would keep the action figure on me i would wear it as a necklace <laughs> Well, like flavor flavor, but I would hold it up. Like... I would hold it up and make people talk to the action figure. <laughs> Please direct your speech towards the action figure version of me, just like that. Um, but so clearly, that was a great experience. And then you you took that momentum, if I get my timing right, and then launched a Kickstarter. Uh, is that right for for Underwater Realm? Yeah, I guess that actually the next step in that journey was rain um, dance rain dance yeah there's um so ah. we, we have a festival in london here called rain dance um mm-hmm. which is like our soggy version of sundance basically um i see what you did there yeah um so we the rain dance festival put out a competition um along with pepsi actually um mm-hmm. saying we want people to make a, a two-minute short film that we'll use as the trailer for the festival um and the pitch is how do you take it to the max um, obviously the tie-in with the Pepsi branding. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody was kind of coming in with offerings of like, hey, this is me skateboarding, this is me running really fast, this is me doing something extreme, taking it to the max. And and we were kind of, to me, like taking mm. it to the max was just what you do to your credit card to make a movie. <laughs> yeah. So nice. we kind of came up with this story that was inspired by our experiences of having made the zombie movie. Um, mm. How as a bunch of people, we live together, we work together, um, and we max out our credit cards. Um, so we made this little two minute love letter to the art of indie filmmaking um, and peppered it with the word max throughout. It was like, you know, filling the kettle up to the max um, to make, you know, 50 cups of tea for everyone. And, you know, having max on the electricity meter when you've got all, all your, your lights, lights plugged on in and all this sort of stuff. So we made that little short, mm-hmm. which was so kind of, um, I guess, emotionally true to the, to the making of zombies that some people thought that it was actually behind the scenes footage from the zombie movie, which, I wish our behind the scenes looked that like the movie didn't look as good as that short did, let alone behind the scenes. Um, But we made that little two minute short, entered it into the competition, won the competition. Um, It came with a 30 grand prize fund. Um, They flew us out to Cannes Festival on like a VIP trip. Um, And and that really, that was the start of the underwater realm. The idea had been bubbling around Mm. for a while of doing these, these films set underwater. Um, and that money then allowed us to start developing the show. Um, I see. Okay, and then so you had that initial funding, um, but it was it was still pretty obvious that you wanted to go on Kickstarter to raise more. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that happened. What was that? A year later. Um, what Kickstarter? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was about a full year after the competition that we. So we kind of spent the first year um, trying to develop an effect that was dry for wet. So we'd shoot on a green screen stage. We'd have people on wires flying through the air and then we'd add all the water in in post. Um, Mm -hmm. And we spent about a year kind of working that out. And and it became glaringly obvious halfway through that year that just wasn't going to work. We were going to need to learn to scuba dive. We were going to need to find underwater film kit. We were going to need to actually go and make these films underwater. And that's when we started floating the idea of Kickstarter. Yeah, floating the idea. Yeah. Okay, and so he's full of puns. Just, <laughs> just you get used to it. I'm desensitized to them now. <laughs> what was what was the the concept behind this series aside from let's do cool shit underwater? So the concept was that it was going to be a series of five short films, um, and each one was going to document mankind's encounters with a race of people living on the ocean floor. 
So the mythology of the story was that Atlantis was real. It really sunk beneath the waves. But it was real. It was real. Well, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it was real. It sunk beneath the waves. But rather than die, the inhabitants of, of Atlantis were cursed to breathe the water and to wander the ocean floor for thousands of years following on from that. Um, and we wrote this huge, big, epic mythology behind it. We wrote um, three feature films set as a, a clash between the Roman Empire and and the uh, the remnants of the Atlanteans in the Mediterranean. And then these five shorts that we were going to make were kind of going to be almost like five trailers, five, five kind of world concepts for that IP that we'd, we'd created, that mythology that we created. So we wanted five films set each five minutes in length, each one from a different time period, about a human interaction with them. So the first one set in, in the present day is free divers um, that end up finding the last one down in a, in a cave. And you go back to World War II and we have a Spitfire crashing into the ocean. Um, then we have 1588, we have the, a Spanish galleon in the Armada and a guy gets thrown overboard. Um, then we go back to 1208, 1208 and we have, um, we have Norman Britain medieval Britain um, and then we have um, the last one is set in 149 BC um, with a, a guy getting uh, drowned by some Romans um, and each time you oh. kind of see this we actually play them from from the present day back so you see um, you start off with the dregs of what's left of this underwater society going back to when they were this high proud tribal race mm. kind of think Avatar meets Gladiator meets the Lord of the Rings underwater that, that was yeah, yeah. That was kind of the line. When you get when you get Spielberg in the room to EP, uh, uh, that's that's the pitch. Yeah. And I mean, you you all asked for sixty k, and you raised over a hundred. Yeah. Did you did you have any idea it was going to be that successful? Oh, absolutely not. No, uh, we we'd been blogging the whole time, hadn't we? Yeah. So wait, you'd been wanting the whole time? Blogging. We did video blogs. Ah, um, good. All every right. every every week. Um, mm. we've been doing video blogs since the beginning of the project. So we had like a year's worth of that audience leading up to the Kickstarter. But even so, that was only like 300 people. Yeah, it was a small audience. It was like the small dedicated audience who were kind of left over from Zomblies who would watch our progress and stuff. And we mm. would put it up on Vimeo. And yeah, it was about three 300 per video, three 400. So we, we kind of went in and we were like, we haven't got any kind of celebrity status. We haven't got any any like big backers we haven't got any large following we have a small kind of dedicated core but nothing enormous um and so we were really like kind of quite unsure we were just really hoping that the the nature of the idea and the fact that it was high concept and it was a catchy idea that just had never been done before never been attempted before would ignite the the kind of popular consciousness um and we were very lucky in that it did, yeah. Because um, I don't think it would nowadays. I think part of the part of the reason was that because we asked for so much, um, mm-hmm. where there were a number of discussions here, especially with Kickstarter being all or nothing funding, like how much should we actually dare to ask for? And I genuinely think if we'd asked for ten grand, we wouldn't have hit the ten grand. But because we asked for sixty, people mm-hmm. saw it as a bigger idea. They kind of got on board with us as the underdogs who'd been doing this anyway, and now we were, you know, kind of pushing up for the for the next stage. And and it just it captured the imagination. Yeah, and uh, like we had like a lot of support from like ocean conservationists and stuff, which was a big message of the films as well, and that really helped. And um, people just really came together. And like I guess none of us expected it to get as much as it did at all. Like we we were going to be very grateful if we just hit our target, but but yeah, it yeah. smashed it, and uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. What, I mean, what did that experience do for you all as indie filmmakers? 
Again, it, it, it took it all to the next level again, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, I still think it is one of the toughest things we have gone through, and that was a learning curve like no other. Like, um, yeah. it was, it was again, like going back to what we were saying before, people telling us we can't do things, and it was like, you can't shoot a movie underwater. You can shoot a few scenes. You cannot shoot a narrative. Story. And we were like, well, we're going to do it. And like, well, you can't. You don't have the kit. You can't afford it. It's like, we'll figure it out. Yeah, because it, it really hadn't been done before even on a kind of on a hollywood level they'd not done what we were trying to do which was not to just have a scene of someone drown um or a like a fight scene underwater and then they both swim to the surface and cough and splutter and all that sort of stuff like we knew that could be done what we were aiming for certainly with the last part was six people actually doing a scene together at the bottom of a pool that was dressed to look like atlantis and you know we built all our sets and our rocks and seaweed and all this kind of stuff and, and like can six people do a an actual convincing scene that doesn't involve you know, oh, I'm drowning, I'm punching you, like, you know, like the scene in um, Skyfall, for example, you yeah. know, um, which, you know, a great scene, but at the end of the day, it's two people struggling underwater, and, and we wanted to see if we could take a traditional narrative and, and put it underwater and, and kind of reframe it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, massive learning curves, massive kind of creative challenges, technical challenges, um, interacting with a larger audience, um, blogging about the whole thing all the way through production, um, huge, huge lessons learned. Um, how, well, not, it, how not to drown in a cave yeah. in Hawaii. <laughs> being one of them. You never know when you're going to need that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and it seems like every one of these steps continues to be progress towards the the next thing. And and of course, you know, last week, two weeks ago now, you all had this just amazing first person shooter via <laughs> being chat roulette and we're going to talk about that part too um that that bubbled up on a, a couple of different subreddits obviously went uh you know viral like yeah you say um can you can you just quickly quickly go through how y'all came up with the idea and filmed it uh you've you've touched on this a little bit but um please give us the give us the the quick download on it all yeah sure okay so the the skinny on the idea is that about five years ago um we were sat around chatting about chat roulette in the kitchen. Um, mm -hmm. This is back when chat roulette was kind of a thing. I think a thing. The vibe less, we're getting there were days. less sticks then. People kind of like. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's a. I've got a question about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so we were like, hey, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be cool if when somebody was presented with chat roulette, rather than seeing another person, they just kind of saw an experience to be had? And and so we we just we were like messing around and we just strapped a, a webcam. It's actually the same webcam we're using now. Um, strapped it to my head with a hairband and uh, it was back when you remember netbooks was a thing at some point like tiny yeah, crap yeah. laptops so it was one of those plugged into the webcam via USB and somebody was just walking around behind me typing and, and watching the person on chat roulette and we kind of had the speakers on so I could kind of hear what was going on um, and, they, and people would load in and, and be like where are you? are you there? and we'd be like what should we do? and they were like <laughs> what? and they were like Tell us what to do. We'll do it. And they're like, uh, okay, pick up that balloon over there. So you pick up the balloon and they'd be like, pop the balloon? And you pop it and they'd be freaking out. They'd be like, oh my God, I just made something happen over the internet. Like that's how bizarre. Um, and so we, we kind of did that for about 10 or 15 minutes to, to the point where it got weird. And, and somebody got, <laughs> asked me to put pick up Eve and put her in the bath, which I did. And they were like, now turn the taps on and take her clothes off. And I was like, okay, game over. Um, and we laughed about it. And it was just like a shared yeah. thing. Wasn't it, was, it? It, was, it was just like this fun thing we did one afternoon. And um, 
it just yeah, kind it of got kind of... resigned to you know one of those weird collective memories that groups of friends have that doesn't really go anywhere or do anything. Um, but now the place that we're at, kind of post underwater realm, is that we got a lot of contacts through the underwater realm. We got kind of like a lot of momentum and a lot of energy, and we're trying to convert that into making our first feature. Um, but being that features are so much bigger and more expensive, the cogs move so much slower, and we're still the same frustrated indie filmmakers that just want to go out and make stuff. So we we kind of back in November we made a little short film about elderly loneliness at Christmas time, which is up on our YouTube channel. Mm. And and that again, that was like a we just need to go and make something. Let's make something before 2014 is done. Um, and now in the summer again, we were like, let's go and do something. Do you remember that cool old thing we did with chat roulette yeah. and the webcam? What if we did like a first person shooter version of that? Yeah, that's pretty much the genesis of it, really. So that's and, yeah, that's how we got and, here. You all, I mean, this this captured everyone's attention very quickly. I know as soon as I saw it top off on r slash gaming, it was very, very clear this was going to be uh, extremely popular. Um, and it was just like, just the novelty of it. The, like the, 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 and, uh, the novelty combined with the obvious dedication that you all put into it. This was a non-trivial uh, undertaking. And I mean, I'm sure tons of things went wrong. Any, any in particular that you'd like to share? Ooh, what went wrong? There was a particularly stressful moment halfway through the second day when the battery on the back of the camera operator basically... Oh, that up. was amazing. I was what, just witnessing, like, yeah, the battery that um, Liam, all right, so who was the first person guy, the battery died. And I just remember seeing um, Dave and our friend Mark, who runs Red House Mysteries, who was um, doing this with, they just got together picked out some new batteries and strapped something together with gaffer tape. And it was like watching that scene in Apollo 13 where Houston kind of go, right, yeah. we need to make them survive. This is what we've got. Go. And I just watched them for like 10 minutes, just strap something together. And it was like, that, that was amazing, guys. It was, yeah, because it was, it was more than just like a battery running low. It was like the battery pack that was running everything, the broadcaster, the like little fan to keep uh. his head cool, the camera, the light, everything was all running off one big lead acid battery that we would recharge. But the battery basically blew up and, and we didn't have a replacement. We were like, oh God, oh God, this is the, the whole shoot is gone. Yeah. So we just had to like rip it apart, tear the battery cells out, find new batteries. It was basically like a, a mini car battery we ended up using. It was a motorbike battery we yes. ended up using and we like gaffer taped it to his back and we were like, go! <laughs> and then a few days before That's that. That's very, was, trusting. Um, very yeah. trusting. Yeah, he's a very trusting He, he was guy. very, very trusting. A few days before that, you um, obviously blew up a, I blew up a GoPro. GoPro. Yeah, while wearing the GoPro, I, I kind of like rigged up the whole helmet. I was like, this is wow. the greatest piece of technology. It's got like all this kit wired up to it. It's got, we originally had like a monitor over one eye um, so that the person in the helmet could close one eye and they would see through the camera and kind of line things up a little bit better and then mm. open the other eye to get their peripheral vision. Um, and I wired it all up, put strapped the battery to my back, kind of reached around for the umbilical cord, plugged it all in, um, and I was actually looking at my shadow on the wall at the time, partly to admire how awesome the silhouette of the helmet with the antenna poking out the top was. It was like, do you remember the VR <laughs> yeah, Troopers? The VR Troopers kind like, of antenna yeah, this thing, is, this yeah. Is cool. And then there was just like this smoke coming out the top, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically I blew up a GoPro um, and then had to, at the very last minute, replace it. Yeah. Um, yeah, with the webcam that is still serving you well. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, no, we actually went and got another uh, another GoPro, um, but then GoPro reached out as a result yeah. of the of the Reddit post. GoPro then started posting on on Reddit, being like, "We heard you blew up a GoPro. Um, we'd mm -hmm. like to send you a replacement." So that's they they arrived yesterday. Actually, yeah, yeah, we got our nice. new GoPro yesterday. The power of the internet. <laughs> I feel like the least the least they could do. Uh, 
for the for the promo. But what what was it like though watching the reaction um, after you posted on YouTube and Reddit? Uh, what was it like for you all? It Not just was, as Reddit users, but as filmmakers. Um, it's by far the most popular thing we've ever done for Hanan. <laughs> Which is slightly I, sickening, really. But um, <laughs> I, like none of us anticipated it was going to be this popular. We thought it would get it would be quite a novelty. Some people would like it, but we just had no no like belief that it was going to be as big as it did. Like, we had sweepstake going the night we dropped it. It was like nine thirty p.m. here. Um, and we, we launched it on that Thursday night and we had a sweepstake and we were like, right, we've obviously intended this video to be really popular. Like this, you know, the goal was to entertain people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could go viral. I hate using that word. Um, but, but I think it could, let's have a sweepstake. Like who's got numbers on how, how many views is it going to have by 12 hours? Mm-hmm. And the, the, the guesses ranged from 20,000 to Shaz, yours was the highest. Mine was the highest at 500,000, yeah. And it got to like 1.2. Still pretty modest, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it hit like 1.2 million and then and then accelerated from there. Um, so that was, there were kind of two levels of watching the reaction, weren't there? Because there was a big, we were kind of prepping it for four weeks before we started the stream. And so the first great bit of seeing the reaction was when you started connecting to random people on the internet mm-hmm. um, and watching them go, what's going on? What's going on? Um, what do you mean there's a body on the floor? And hit it with the crossbow. Oh, with the crossbow? Crowbar. We should have had a crossbow. Hit it with the crowbar. We, we, we can still do a crossbow. Um, so that was great, kind of watching that reaction, like watching people get freaked out. It was. I kind of felt like, um, what was that show, Punked, that they did? Oh, they, with like Ashton Kutcher Yeah, and like all yeah. of that sort of stuff, you know, like where you set something up for somebody and then watch it go off. That was a really cool experience that we don't get in film very often because it's all so meticulously kind of pre-created and then streamed. Mm-hmm. This was quite interactive. Um, and... And you did it all for less than the budget of your high school film. It was like nine hundred pounds. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty like much a quarter, all it was. quarter of the budget. Yeah, of the high school film. I hadn't actually put it into that context, but thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Just to put it in perspective. Um, but but yeah, you no. had you had the perfect location. Yep. Your your home slash office. You described it a bit earlier at the beginning, but I, I think it's only fair that that you just ad- adequately kind of describe what it's like going to work slash home every day. In this church, well, um, well, it's building formerly known as a church. Yeah. yeah, it's it's actually. I think the biggest takeaway from it is that you we we end up going to other people's houses and getting claustrophobic now because you're like, wait, why is your ceiling <laughs> only there? Like, because it's it it really does spoil you when you spend all your time with the ceiling thirty foot Quite above high you. With, like, and stuff. We have yeah. bats flying above a bell tower. Yeah, we've got a be- we've got a bell tower. It's like an owl that lives on the roof. It's kind of oh, like being in Hogwarts. Charming. It's awesome. Um, yeah. but it is. Yeah, it's. It is weird. I mean, it is definitely, definitely cold. That is. Oh the, yeah, the it's, it's very cold. And um, the acoustics, though, they're great for recording stuff. It means that you can't really have a private conversation. You can hear from one end of the house to the other because it just yeah. the sound carries. It's designed and, for choirs, and, and I and I guess right. actually, like it's it's perfect for us, and and people kind of yeah. like the idea of it. But they, apparently, they really struggled to rent it before we came along because people would just arrive mm. and be like, "Well, it's awesome," but I couldn't live there. It's a church, like. It's like, for example, like my mother hates it. Like, um, she, like, when she first saw it, she's like, I can see why you like it. I wouldn't live here. And it's, you know, it's not a cozy home. It's not somewhere you'd bring up a family, but it was perfect, more than perfect for us. And so, I'm, like, yeah. Like, like the final, the final boss scene, right? Mm. What is there right now? Uh, can you describe screen. the scene? Yeah. So, just, just behind the, just behind where the, um, where the demon was stood is now a yeah. cinema screen. Because um, that's actually our living room. That's our TV, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and a, so, bunch, a bunch of sofas, basically couches. <laughs> yeah. So you guys will be there. You guys will be there watching some TV, catch up on some movies. Yeah. Yep. This is. I mean, this blurs lines, right? It's not. Plenty of people work out of their home, uh, but but to actually then also film on top of that, uh, that's not bad. Now. Presumably, level two is going to take place somewhere else. Yes, I mean, you, know, you warped out of the first level, so yep. Can you? I mean, can you give us something? Um, well, we got the code. The yeah, the code fourteen ninety two um, might give people. So wait, something, that's please. that's the that's when Columbus discovered the new world, right? Well, quote unquote discovered. Mm-hmm. Is that yep. A, okay. But it's more, abs- it's more abs. To be honest, I would not have got it from your description. Well, that's far too oh. vague. Well, <laughs> no, that's we'll good. No, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah. That's better. We'll see if people okay. can work it out. So, yeah, we're basically we're changing up the genre, um, mm. and, and we kind of looked at. I guess uh, kind of one of the biggest mo- mo- um, modifications and one of the biggest lessons we learned from the first one um, is actually that a lot of the heart of the thing, besides the concept itself, comes from the banter between the player and the mm. voice actor. Um, which was never really intended to be a thing. Hmm. It was supposed to just be there so that if somebody was trying to open a door and it was locked and then they tried to shoot the lock with the door, you could be like, it's a Nerf gun, dickwad, and and just like guide people, (laughs) you know, and and kind of use it as an invisible wall. Um, But it became really, really obvious very quickly that people just like when they first loaded in, they just had no concept of what was going on. And so it evolved this sort of character from, you know, the voice acting side of it to be like, mm. I need your help. What should I do? Um, and so th- this relationship formed between the, the effectively mm. that the player was kind of like a Cortana sort of character, you know, like yeah, yeah. helping the adventurer through. Um, and so that heart of it, we've, we've embraced mm. in the, the next level um, and I really sort of explored that. Where, so where do you think the future of this kind of like interactive film is going? Surely they're going to be imitators. Well, our strategy there is really to just move faster than the imitators. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And part of that is just kicking it up a gear and, and like making level two look way more impressive than level one. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of where it goes moving forwards, uh, we've it's kind of changed our strategy a little bit. Yeah, it really has. Mm-hmm. Like, it was not something we were expecting. We've had a, a bunch of people say this would make a great TV show. Mm. And within the first sort of 12 hours, those emails started coming in. And I was like, no, it wouldn't. Like, it, with my kind of normal narrative filmmaking head on, I was mm-hmm. like, well, where's the story? What's it going to be like, Quantum Leap? And you just go between a different game show, a different, a different video game every episode? Like, that, that would suck. Um, and then I kind of realized as much as I, like, I'm really not a fan of game shows, I'm really not a fan of, of reality TV, but we've put together an idea, which I'm not at liberty to talk in specifics about, but just an uh, incredible it, It's TV actually, show. yeah, it's quite an exciting <laughs> idea. And it reminds us much more of, not so much a game show, but some of the more game show type things we watched in our youth, yeah. which we felt, which... Um, so we've had a lot of people get in touch about that. We've put together a, a, a kind of a, a concept and we're talking to some, some really cool people about that at the moment. Um, so watch this space. I mean, it could be something that comes much more to the, you know, the, the broader public. Um, yeah. In the not, That's great. Not and and I, I trust you will uh, share the good news with Reddit first. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I know there's a lot of people... Your, your fan base grows with every project, and this one was a huge, 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 huge leap. 
Um, you got a lot of folks who I know are going to be really interested to see level two, but also everything else you all are working on. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't also give you all a chance to give some credit uh, to the real hero on this project. Um, the person whose sole job it was to skip all those penises on Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Who, um, who was the brave soul who had to deal with that? Sean, um, come over here. Yeah, she's actually here <laughs> right now. That's actually my, oh, hey. yeah, <laughs> my cousin. Wow. Um, ah. So she's with us at the moment. Uh, here she is. I can't um, see her head, but hi. Yeah, there we go. I'm so sorry you had to do that. <laughs> you are the you are the hero of this entire project. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a tough job, but somebody had to do it. Yeah. Um, and it seemed to make sense to you know just hand it to our most impressionable youngest member of staff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, that was um, unsung hero of the day. Yes, absolutely. You yeah. you had to delve into things none of us were an abyss that none of us wanted to crawl into and so every now and then you'd be like hey it's not a dick it's just a bed sheet mm-hmm. oh, oh no oh. no no it's definitely still <laughs> a dick like yeah it's, um, oh. there was some kind of morbid oh, fascination yeah. to it it's like wow this guy must have been masturbating for at least like hours the stamina oh, of some the of these stamina guys is like, just incredible how you can uh, keep yourself on a slow burn you know yeah. like uh, it's beyond me <laughs> Oh well. <laughs> yeah, sorry for bringing all that back. Up yeah. <laughs> but thank you. Seriously. <laughs> oh man. Wow. Well, do you guys have any any other parting words uh, you'd like to share with with Reddit? Well, first no of all, I thank thank you. Yeah. Like we, the overwhelming positive response we had from Reddit was like. With anything, anything we've done, and anything anybody does, like there's usually an imbalance. Like they'll have a lot of positives, and you'll have some people who have some a lot of criticism and stuff. And you know how to take that on the chin. But mm-hmm. it was we never expected it to be so overwhelmingly positive, and we just had so much kudos. I my inbox just filled up with messages from all sorts of people just saying thank you for creating this and just thank you to the reddit community like i've been you know i've been using red i use reddit every day for for the last four or five years and it was i was just taken aback by the the kind of sense of community that you don't get somewhere like the the comments thread on on youtube um Mm. you've actually got like I don't know. It's it's weird. It's like people put up a little bit more of themselves onto Reddit. Yeah, you, absolutely. Having a conversation with an actual person who's actually interested, um, and yeah, just I don't think we've ever done anything that's had such an like an overwhelming approval rating. Yeah, um, which was nice as well, just from a personal point of view, because you know usually you're scrolling through the comments and that one bad comment kind of outweighs a hundred good ones, whereas mm. everybody was just so kind of engaged with the idea yeah it was, it was flattering but also just it was great to just be able to answer people's questions as well to do that little kind it of- was really great and it was like i you know it turned into a little ama in that sort of sense like loads of people had so many questions and um which you know like i'm still getting through and i'm happy to answer and it's great that people are that interested and just we are developing level two at the moment and the first place we will put it on will be reddit Absolutely. it will be um it'll Red- land on reddit along with the bts and yeah it'll <laughs> be um it'll be big and we're aiming for we're aiming at the moment I almost shouldn't say this now but we're aiming for pre-Halloween um, okay so yeah wheels are in motion yeah yeah so um, yeah we'll see what happens but that's when we're hoping to get it get it done by well given given that timeline I will let you all get back to doing real work <laughs> And here's another round of thank yous for all of you amazing Redditors who got gold or gifted gold in the last couple of months. Hagen Schlott. 
Hagen Schlott. I think I got that right. Thank you. Matt Moo 13. That's M-A-T-T-M-U 13. Thank you. Decepta Puma. You can never trust a regular Puma. I would definitely not trust a Decepta Puma. Thank you. That's uh, get to the Choppa with uh, one, two, three, six A's. Cloak 2. Thank you. The Sid Posts. T-H-E-C-I-D-P-O-S-T-S. Thank you. And finally, the Cure 941 with underscores in between each of those things. Uh, the underscore Cure underscore 941. Uh, maybe it's a reference to the band. I don't know. But thank you. Thank you all. I may not understand all of your usernames, but I can definitely understand how valuable you are to Reddit for your gilding. So thanks for that. Dave and Shaz both found making of videos hugely inspiring as kids. Back when these behind-the-scenes looks were really hard to find. Shaz talked about the day when his dad came home with a VHS tape of the special effects behind Empire Strikes Back, and that life-changing moment when he saw model makers creating X-Wings for the film and realized that, you know, grown-ups could do that for a living. Today, the internet gives people the opportunity to have that moment a billion times a day. You know, it might be a little cheesy, but frankly, the behind-the-scenes video for first-person shooter might have given an eight-year-old somewhere on the other side of the planet in that moment a pretty awesome dose of inspiration. And it's pretty great to think that they're now paying it forward to help inspire the next generation of indie filmmakers. I can't wait to see what they've cooked up for level two. I wish I could have gotten more out of them, but all we got is that 1492 clue. Uh, so maybe something Columbus related, I, I don't know. I am out of my element. Redditors, I'm sure you're better at puzzles. So uh, give it a go in the comments of r slash upvoted. I know Dave and Shaz are, are active on Reddit and they've been in the comments already about that aforementioned article we wrote about them, which you can still find on r slash upvoted. But have a conversation in there. Let us know what you think about this episode. I'm sure they will chime in. I'm sure they may even comment on your random theories about what level two may entail. Uh, you can find the original article that kicked this all off on r slash upvoted. It's called A Winner Is You. Brits Behind Viral Real-Life Zombie Game Tease Level 2. It was written by Blabyrinth, who's here on the team at Reddit. Uh, it was submitted about a week ago from the time of this recording, and uh, it's still, still got some really bumping conversations, so join in. Special thanks to Dave and Shaz for sitting down with us for this podcast. You can watch all of their films on their YouTube channel, Realm Pictures. That's R-E-A-L-M Pictures, no space. And be sure to say hi to Dave and Shaz on Reddit. Their usernames are David M. Reynolds and Dartmoor Ninja. That's D-A-R-T-M-O-O-R-N-I-N-J-A. Check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about, from their films Zomblies and Underwater Realm to pictures of their thumbs dressed up as Game of Thrones characters. My favorite is Daenerys. Also, I want to let you know that we have three more episodes of Upvoted before we're going to end season one. We don't have any more details at the moment, but we'll let you know when the podcast is coming back. Be sure, as always, to sign up for Upvoted Weekly if you haven't yet. That's the weekly hand-curated newsletter that comes out every Sunday. This week, we featured Astronaut Pranks, a community called the Piece of Shit Book Club, and a strange musical instrument called the Automatone. I think I pronounced that right. You can subscribe to that and discuss this over at r slash Upvoted. Uh, and thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. And let's do this again next week on Upvoted by Reddit.